You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. Welcome to the Accounting Influencers Podcast with me, Rob Brown, going out to 30,000 accounting professionals all over the world in 150 countries. We are talking soft skills in a VUCA world today. I'm thrilled to have with me today, Bailey Parnell. Hello, Bailey. Hi, very glad to be here with you. Bailey, for people that haven't come across you and the wonderful things that you do, just tell us a little bit about you and your world. My name is Bailey. I'm originally from Canada, but I now live in New York and uh, we work all over the world. I own a soft skills development company and so that's called Skills Camp. We work with mostly businesses, some governments and some higher ed institutions to build soft skills in their staff and students. And that otherwise could be known as human skills, transferable skills, you name it. And that includes stuff like resilience and a lot of stress management recently, empathy, and the skills that I think that we're all going to need for the future of work. And then the other half of my life in my research, a little bit less related to what we're talking about today, or more related given recent history, is about social media's impact on mental health and digital well-being. Well, we're really open to speaking about mental health. And uh, I've been reading Digital Minimalism with Cal Newport, which is a fascinating piece of work on how how screens are the new cocaine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the basis of my work is that uh, social media is a risky behavior like sex or drugs or alcohol. And even though we're talking more so about uh, the soft skills side of life today, these are actually worlds that are colliding more than they ever have before because digital culture now is workplace culture. And so it's it's very much, you know, your digital health and your well-being and your maintenance there and your minimalism, your maximalism, whatever you want to do there is all a part of your general well-being now. Yeah, we may cover that on another episode. But speaking to the the corporate professional world, you have clients in many different sectors and areas. Accountants, lawyers, people like that, you'll be familiar with that jacket over the chair culture. Let's stay as long as we can. Let's work really long hours. Let's show how committed we are to the firm. But that has implications for mental health and professional health and maybe speaks to the great resignation we're seeing, Bailey. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these like, so there's many different parts of resilience, which I'm sure we'll get to. One aspect of resilience is grit. And grit is kind of that just tough it out, put your head down, um, don't say anything. Let's be here for 12 hours. Don't show weakness. Right. And I completely relate to that. And there's actually nothing wrong with grit. But the important part for us all to remember, and most especially people in those professions, is that grit is actually just one element of resilience. And it's not a sustainable element of resilience. So if you are always every day for 12 hours a day in that, just put your head down, just tough it out, you are 100% going to burn out. It's just a matter of when, not a matter of if. Let's start with the definition of soft skills, because accountants, professional people will understand technical skills. They've all studied really hard, got university degrees and qualifications and letters after their name. So they get that technical side of things, the CPD, the CPE, but soft skills are something different. So give us the Bailey Parnell definitions. Yeah. I mean, in this world of these skills, you'll often hear people say we shouldn't be calling them soft skills at all because they're often the hardest to learn. Yes, I've heard all that too. And I tend to agree. <laughs> they are typically harder for people to learn. 
These are the skills that we might otherwise call people skills, human skills. They're the ones that characterize our relationships with ourselves and with others. And so that could be leadership, communication skills, empathy. We even teach cross-cultural communication. It's all the things in a, in a way that relate to interpersonal and and really, I guess, personal, just with the self dynamics and how we move through the world in a way. And you're right that we're so, you know, it's, we're, we're taught in such a strong way what technical skills are, especially in school these days, because school as a function has changed over the, you know, hundreds of years. And more and more, it's becoming a function to employ you in the current economy. And so more and more, it's becoming a, what technical skills do you need to know? And the further you go in school, you know, your master's, your doctorate, postdoc, the, the closer you actually get to maybe what I think school should be these days, which is you know dedicated to you, smaller class sizes. So you can start learning these other skills. You start doing more independent lead work. You get mentorship from people one-on-one. And um, whereas a lot of the schooling that gets you into some of those early roles is very much focused on the technical skills. Yet those are not the skills that will keep you there or, or get you into leadership. No, and as a former high school math teacher, one of the reasons I left the teaching profession was that I was teaching, I was coaching kids to pass tests. I wasn't educating them. And it was that very academic environment that didn't develop the very skills that these young people needed in the workplace. Well, that's just so true. And, and from a philosophical perspective, that's serving the institution. That's education designed from an institution for an institution. And that's actually not learner-centric because as an educator, you knew inherently, as I do, that learner-centric means that the test is really irrelevant. It's about what they, what are they curious in? What do they want to learn? Um, you know, what are their learning styles? It's very learner centric. And that's kind of more of the adult learning principles. It's almost like an adult learning. If I were teaching anyone listening right now. I would need to know right away. You got to know why you're here and you have to know what it means for you. But it's actually the same when you're in, um, you know, K to 12 education, but we just don't employ the same strategies. And you might find this interesting and everyone else might find this interesting, but it's because when education systems were developed in the Western world, it actually was a function of the state to teach people how to be citizens in that country. And so it's really no surprise nowadays. It's just that we need it to serve something different now. So I'd like you to make the business case for soft skills or people skills in a moment, Bailey, but just give us a sense of the world that we're living in right now and, and unpack this VUCA term for us because things are moving fast. Yeah. Okay. So if you've never heard the phrase VUCA before, it's an acronym and it stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And I believe this actually comes from a military term. Um, and what it was saying is that in this environment, you can expect the volatility will kind of be the ups and downs. You're thinking about like even like a market or something like that. It's, I don't know what to expect. The uncertainty, I don't know what to expect. So I don't know what to plan. There's so much change. Complexity. Nowadays, we're getting in, we're getting in all this information from all these sources. And it's funny, we mentioned social media, but that's actually a huge piece of this complexity of the information and the global nature of all of our work all the time, like just always at us. And then the ambiguity is a kind of, I don't know what to do with it right now. So in this state of work right now, there is absolutely a faster rate of change in every industry beyond the pandemic, which created its own, you know, changes in the world of work that will be kind of forever. There, there are changes that are not going to go back to the way that they were. There's certainly a new normal in the world of work. Beyond that, we were already on the trend towards things like 
AI and automation and robotics. And though you wouldn't think about it, like a, a profession and, you know, folks who have their CPA, and let's pretend we're talking about something very simple, like a, an accountant that we can all understand. Right. An accountant would be a profession that, you know, even a hundred years ago, 50 years ago would be a really noble profession. And certainly my husband jokes about his, uh, <laughs> he jokes about his immigrant family saying like, doctor, lawyer, engineer, accountant, like these are professions that we understand that are going to make you good money. They're reliable. And you wouldn't expect that as a result of AI automation, that some of these very professions, doctors, paralegals, and accountants are starting to be automated. And so these are the technical skills that we may have been trained for, but it's really these other skills, these soft skills, like my adaptability in the VUCA world or my resilience in the VUCA world. These are the skills that are going to serve me over a lifetime as the technical skills of the era change. And when I have guests on that are managing partners and leaders in firms, I ask them the question, what skills do you feel you need to upgrade to compete and stay relevant in the world that's emerging right now? And I promise you, they don't mention technical skills. They don't mention knowing more about tax or 401ks or anything else. They talk about the very skills that you're talking about. 100%, Rob, because as you get into an organization, let's just say, any any role really, I mean, the technical skills are almost just an expectation. They're a given, aren't they? They get you in the game, but they don't get you on the podium necessarily. Right. And then let's just say you are in the game, you're in the company. If you have any aspirations of leadership, which is why I'm not surprised to hear that all of these CEOs or um, you know high-level leaders are saying to you, you need these skills because the minute you become a manager, the minute you start leading other people, your work becomes much less about managing things and much more about catalyzing people. And then suddenly the skills that make you good at your job are your ability to motivate people, to give feedback, to resolve conflict quickly, to build culture among your team quickly, to set goals, to meet them, to have a growth mindset, to adapt in the VUCA world. When suddenly there's another global pandemic, because there very likely will be in our lifetime, have I prepared myself in times of peace for these times of war is kind of what VUCA is. It's like, let me be prepared now um, with these skills so that when that time comes, I'm not floundering. And there's definitely skills like we have um, uh, an acronym that we use at Skills Camp called MORE, which are the skills to help us navigate change in that VUCA world. Because the reality is we're actually not biologically predispositioned to change. <laughs> we actually have a lot of biological functions that are solely out to keep us stable and to keep us the exact same. We're creatures of habit. We have the amygdala in the brain, which only ever goes off in times of change or times of stress. They make, that's the fight, flight, freeze response. There's this thing called inertia. It's a tendency for a mass to do nothing or to remain unchanged if there are no motivating external factors. And homeostasis is the word that we give to steady internal physical and chemical conditions that uh, living systems use to keep ourselves stable. So all living systems. Basically, we have all of these things that are out for our brain to say, you know what, I got this, I figured this out, and it's only in times of change that it has to freak out and decide, do I have what it takes to, to navigate this change? But fortunately for us all, you know, we are very good at rising above our biology, our basic biology. We don't live outside anymore. Um, and so the the acronym that we use to go from a place of just surviving that VUCA world to thriving is MORE. And that stands for mindset, a growth mindset, optimism in practice, resilience, and each other or empathy. 
And I can certainly go deeper into uh, each of those if you'd like. We should. Uh, but you mentioned leadership and we're speaking here about pretty much everyone's a leader, barely, aren't they? We're, even the most introverted people in the world, they say will inter- will influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. So once you get beyond any entry level position, you're in a position of management or leadership, managing self as much as anything else. So this more acronym speaks to the kind of things you need as any emerging or right at the top leader to navigate the VUCA world. So yeah, let's unpack more. Talk to us a bit about mindset for growth and presumably along the Carol Dweck lines we are here. Well, you know, I'm just glad that you just said that about how everyone's a leader. I agree. And when we do personal leadership, we say it doesn't matter what you have in your title. In fact, I would even say we're, we're saying leadership, but those frontline people, the, the recent grads listening, the the I don't manage any people, I just manage things jobs right now. It's precisely doing these things now that gets you those roles. <laughs> you don't do it when you all of a sudden start managing people. It's understanding this stuff now. So in the VUCA rapidly changing world, the growth mindset is is pretty much do I believe that I my skills can grow with almost period, actually. It's almost period. Individuals who believe that their talents and skills can be developed through what? Through hard work, through good strategies, through input from others, through all of these things. And it's in direct opposition usually to the fixed mindset is what it's typically called. And that's more that I avoid, I might avoid challenges. I stick to what I know. I already know what I'm good at. And that's, that, that, that's that. I don't, I'm tired of changes. I, um, I'm either good at it or I'm not. I'm never going to improve. There's really no point in trying. I tried public speaking five years ago. didn't work out well. So now I just don't volunteer for those presentations. I mean, that was five years ago. And so in this world of change, of course, this is mindset number one. If Can you believe, do you even believe at all that your skills can be developed to succeed in this rapidly changing world? That's growth mindset, which is very heavily linked with optimism in practice. Well, let's come back to that, if I may. Let me just ask you on growth mindset. It, it's not just thinking you can do it. You may see this in your world, Bailey. I certainly see it in mine that successful people, they get to partner, they get to those senior levels and they think, okay, I've got my qualifications. I've done all the networking I need to do. I'm at a point now where I don't need to learn anymore. I've got everything I need to do my job. Why do I need to change? Why do I need to adapt? So it speaks to the coachability, their teachability. And that must come into growth mindset and thinking that they don't have anything to learn. You're right too. It's not, you're, I, I like that addition, which is it's not just, can I learn? It's do I feel I need to? And certainly you need to, <laughs> I mean, there's, <laughs> I need to, Rob needs to, like we all, we all need to here. And, and that's so that we can be prepared for whatever may come our way. And that growth mindset is contagious. If you are naturally there, like, what can I improve? You're seeking feedback. Um, even the difficult stuff. You're saying, tell me the stuff that you're uncomfortable saying, I need to know it. Then when it's with that, that sorry, when you display that, of course, more people are going to be more willing to react to you with that same growth mindset. They're going to start to tell you naturally without even you having to ask because they know you can handle it. And suddenly you're in a state of constant development so that when these changes happen, um, you're ready. You're ready with these skills. You're prepared with the right systems, the right mentors around you because you've built up this muscle throughout your career. And I mentioned it briefly before, but it does make me think of the quote, in times of peace, prepare for war and in times of war, prepare for peace. If you feel right now, like you were in your job and you have all of the skills that you need and you're thriving, <laughs> I would be like, I personally do just get a little bored and I'm just like, well, where, where, you know, what classes could I take right now? So that would be the time I'd want to be looking forward if I'm and um, thinking what would prepare me for five years from now. And guess what? 
I don't know what it is. <laughs> so I think it would be these skills that would be most most worth your time. There's a quote by Harvey McKay who wrote Swim with the Sharks. And he said, dig your well before you're thirsty. Yeah, exactly. And it's that idea of a preemptive strike or a proactive building of skills that you may need or building the network for tomorrow rather than relying on the people that you know today. Because with the VUCA world, you don't know what the heck is coming up. Well, that's just right. And I'd say most of I think I know that with uh, CPAs in general, we actually, one of our clients is CPA Ontario in Canada. And so we're familiar, um, you know, I have to tell you five years ago, I thought that everybody who had a CPA, you know, was an accountant or everyone with CPA was an accountant. Do you know what I mean? But I realized in our time working with them that there are so many professions that would benefit from this certification. And I thought, oh, okay, well, if some of these roles are about to be automated in the next five to 10 years, like extremely to everyone listening, I would do, I'd be doing an audit of the skills that you feel you currently have. And then, and then, um, you know, kind of an audit of the skills that you feel you need to develop in this time so that you're prepared for that when that comes. Let's talk about the role of optimism. I can see some accountants pulling faces and using pessimism to their advantage in saying, well, the robots are going to take over and the world's going to end. So I need to upskill for that reason to stay relevant and competitive. So they might use pessimism as a motivator for upskilling their soft skills. But optimism obviously works too. Well, do you know what? I would say what you just described doesn't sound inherently like pessimism. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. So optimism is and pessimism out colloquially, I usually hear it like, oh, you're a positive or you're a negative person or you're pulling out the negative or positive. Actually, what it is, is it's how you view yourself in relationship to what happens to you. It's basically present fact, whether fact is positive, negative, sad, happy. How do you incorporate it into your life and describe it to yourself? So an optimist with within good times, they're going to see it as personal, pervasive, and permanent. They're going to say, oh, this good thing is happening. Um, you're really enjoying this podcast. It's as a result, I did something to earn this. Pervasive. How do I spread this to other areas of my life? Like, oh, this is a good thing that happened. Uh, maybe I am good at speaking. Maybe I will volunteer for that presentation. And then permanent. How can I recreate this good thing or at least elements of it? But a pessimist in the same good time, same facts, theoretically, they're going to think it's good luck, situation specific and temporary. So, oh, you're really enjoying this podcast. Oh, you know what? You must have had a good morning. Situation specific. Well, just because this one's good. Well, I still have to stress about tomorrow's and temporary. I'm having this good time now. Well, that doesn't mean that it's going to last. Now let's talk about those bad times that you mentioned. Um, you know, maybe I'm the world is falling apart and everything's being op automated. <laughs> The optimist in those times is going to sound a lot like a pessimist in good times. They're going to say, you know what? There's some bad luck here. There's some there's some elements of this that are outside of my personal control. And with that example, there's a lot of elements that are outside of your personal control. This is situation specific. Just because I'm stressed about this doesn't mean that this is this takes down all of the skills that I have in my career. It doesn't mean it's the end of my career or my life. And temporary. This isn't going to last. There's going to be another change that comes along. And this stress also isn't going to last. The most stressed person, though, and the one who has the most difficulty adapting to change in the VUCA world is the pessimist in bad times, because the same thing happens. And they think like the optimist in good times, they think this is personal, pervasive and permanent. This bad thing. Oh, my gosh, my life is falling apart. I'm not going to have a job. I need to freak out, pervasive. This is going to spread to every area of my life and permanent. This is going to last. This is just how it is. But if they're saying to the same facts, almost like the example you gave, 
this is happening. So what do I got to learn now? I think that would actually sound like a growth mindset in action in response to facts that might not be so pleasing in the moment. I know that was a really long description, but I hope that I hope that it clarifies a little. There's some great nuances there, and uh, there are reasons to be optimistic. If you've got some element of control or autonomy, or you've got the hands on the steering wheel of your life, yes, rather than feeling helpless. Yes, because optimism is inherently empowering, because you are saying, I play a role in what happens to me. I actually have some control over the next outcome. Versus the pessimist, they often have a tough time experiencing long joy or um, owning their wins. They have a tough time incorporating this into their self-esteem too. So it becomes kind of this cyclical, this well, this cycle that good things happen to them. Maybe they perform well in certain ways. Maybe they have shown peer leadership and they've gotten that in their performance review, but because they've got a pessimistic mindset about it and they think it's temporary situation specific and as a result of other people, they don't incorporate it into their self-esteem. So then these new stressors come along and they don't think, oh, wait, I have the skill of peer leadership. And so it just becomes this like self, self-serving self cycle. And to break out of it, well, to break out of it, if this is you listening, when good things happen to you, you need to ask yourself the question that the optimist might do naturally. What role did I play making this in making this happen? How can I um, recreate this situation or at least elements of this? Or um, what can I do to have this spill over into other areas of my life? And when bad things happen to you, if you want to cultivate this mindset, you might have to explicitly ask yourself, in what way was this also the responsibility of others or other things outside of my control? It's not the blame game. It's what should I be owning and what shouldn't I be owning? Because that's a waste of my energy. How can I keep this temporary? And how could I prevent this from spilling over into other areas of my life so that those can at least serve my well-being while I'm focused on maybe this one core problem? They're so pragmatic. That's excellent. Talk to us about resilience. You might be seeing how they are all starting to connect because one, one way to manage your stress and to build resilience is, of course, to build optimism, an optimistic mindset. But resilience is your ability to withstand stress and to navigate uh, those times and basically bounce back to thrive. Um, to what degree can I navigate the VUCA world and still stay on course in a way is your resilience in action. There are a ton of things that you can do to, to work on your resilience. And yes, absolutely. It is a skill that you can build just like all of these, which is a question I've received a lot. Are there some of you listening who you have had um, challenges thrown at you throughout your life and that you have had to develop some coping strategies as a result of that? Absolutely. And you may have developed some resilient strategies because you've experienced those challenges for sure. That's great. Um, That doesn't mean though, that you can't build this skill. Like any skill, we break it down to its requisite components and we work on that. Um, And so for resilience, sometimes it's as simple as adults needing to be reminded to take care of your basics, like eating well and sleeping and water and exercise, because When you're stressed, your amygdala that I mentioned, that's the part of the brain that's responsible for fight, flight, or freeze, that starts firing off and it actually takes blood away from your prefrontal cortex and sends it to your limbs and floods you with cortisol. So this prefrontal cortex is actually the part of the brain that we really need active in times of stress because that's responsible for analytical thought. Most of the stressors that we're all facing today in in our jobs and in the VUCA world are cognitive stressors. At least I hope for you. I hope for most of you listening that most that your stressors don't have as much to do with eating and you know shelter these days. 
or safety. I hope a lot of the stressors I deal with in workplaces, if not all of them, are cognitive stressors. Do I have, can I navigate this? Can I learn what I need to learn? I'm having an issue with someone at work. It's in here. And so we really need this part of the brain. And that's why when, when you hear something like take care of basics, your, your prefrontal cortex cannot possibly be its most self-actualized, most creative self without healthy food, without water, without a good amount of sleep, without exercise and endorphins and all these things. So it actually would be a resilient strategy as well as a peak performance strategy to take that nap if you need it, to go for that walk at lunch and, or to just eat the lunch instead of working all the way through it. It would be an investment in the rest of the day. Um, and in your and in your performance and stress for the rest of the day. Lots more, even breathing. I'm sure one that people have heard a million times, maybe you didn't realize that breathing regulates your heart rate to bring that prefrontal cortex back online. Finding your community, um, optimism, we said, um, getting out in nature, all of these things have been proven for a very long time to reduce cortisol and stress. This is great. So we've covered in your more acronym, the mindset for growth, the optimism, the resilience. And when we come to the last one, which is each other, I'm reminded of a quote by Martin Rutter that said, you've got to do it by yourself, but you can't do it alone. And as you alluded to, we're all contending with something, whether it's in our personal lives or our working lives. Nobody's got it easy. Nobody sat back thinking, I've got life sorted. We're all dealing with something. So we can't do it alone. Talk to us about each other, Billy, and, and the relevance there. Yeah, sometimes I say each other and sometimes I'm like empathy for each other. So we'll do E squared, okay? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the each other is really that all of these skills are contagious. And it, it, this can be in a good way, but if it's not done, it can be in a bad way. Your growth mindset can inspire others on the team. This is peer leadership. Just by you being you, you can actually change the culture of your team. For example, I mean, your optimism can inspire others. Your resilience in moments can inspire others. Like, let's say we're all at a board meeting table and they say, oh, you know, you're adding four people to your team. There might be someone there with an optimistic mindset and they very naturally thought, oh, okay, well, maybe maybe they're going to help me with some of my capacity issues. This could be good. Or if they're taking some off our plate, like maybe I can start focusing on that those presentations I was hoping to do more of in my career. They're going to think like, what is the opportunity here? Whereas the pessimist might be thinking, oh, they better be easy to work with. I already have so much on my plate. I don't want to help anyone get situated. <laughs> now, one of these people is less stressed. Okay. I mean, like on a biological level, but the other thing is if that person with the growth mindset, with the optimism inherently in there says, oh, nice, this could help with our capacity. It would be a lot harder to be at the table saying, I don't know what you're talking about. It's just going to mean more work. It would be harder to say that. And the first person might be framing it for the rest of the people at the table. Oh, wait, you think this could be a good thing? All right, well, like, let's roll with it. Let's see. So the way you react to changes, most especially if you're the leader, how do you talk about the news of the day? This is going to be a framing lens for everyone around you. And so it's so much more interconnected than we think. And that's the E, that's each other. Billy, if people want to find out more about the great stuff that you do, how might they reach out to you and what might they find? I'm at Bailey Parnell on everything and hopefully the good side of social media. <laughs> and, <laughs> but Skills Camp is skillscamp.co and you will find... For me, I talk a lot about this stuff, future of work, education, soft skills, digital well-being. <laughs> but in the skills camp realm, we do a, a lot of um, programming. So if any of your workplaces are hoping to you know, organize education in these areas, that's what we would collaborate on. Fantastic. And just leave us with some words of encouragement and advice for our listeners that are probably in leadership roles, but even just wanting to build their own careers and how important it is to 
get a handle on soft skills, Bailey? Well, my first words of encouragement would be to invite more into your life. I know that sounds strange, but the growth mindset, optimism, resilience, and each other. And my second uh, words of encouragement would be that you are here for a reason. If you're feeling like you don't have good stock of your skills, you are not here by accident. You have already navigated the changes in your life and the hardest days of your life, and you've ended up here. So this would suggest to an outsider like me that you do possess what it takes to keep moving forward on that. And the final thing to say is that the world's only going to get more VUCA, isn't it? Change is only <laughs> going to get more faster and more hard to manage unless we adopt these skills. I, I believe so. And I think that these are the only universal skills. Even something you know so that we believe in so strongly is HTML, and then suddenly someone switches to JavaScript and this person's technical skills are no longer relevant. This happens very quickly. These are the skills that we should always be developing in the background. Well, Bailey Parnell, that's really given uh, our accounting listeners an insight into what they need to do and be to stay competitive and relevant in the crazy world that we're in. Thank you so much for your passion and your insights today. That's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Advanced Track, helping you as an accountant confidently choose between outsourcing and offshoring. <laughs>